You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Thursday edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. It might as well be the New Year's Eve show. It's the New Year's Eve Eve show. The new year starts on Saturday. That's real. It's 2022. That sounds like a fake season, but that marks one more season. The Yankees did not end with a World Series and one more season with championship aspirations. So we're going to talk about the things it's going to take to get us to the level we need to play at. Anthony Volpe appeared on David Cohen's podcast this week. Seems ready for the show and the spotlight. Probably not going to get the spotlight this year, but proved again why you shouldn't be so quick to disparage him and move him aside. We're also going to talk about a trade uh, that I pitched, matching the Yankees with the Cubs. It feels easier than the other big-time trades we've been discussing all along plus New Year's resolutions for the New York Yankees and Yankee fans. We're going to pick one each and hit you with them before we sign off. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. We'll be more than happy to answer it, but probably not until the new year because we're off on Friday and we're off on Saturday, supposedly, for for holidays. Although, I don't – January 1st, not a real holiday. Kind of just, you know, a a day where you are going to sit – home and watch i mean what there are five bowl games what, what are we going to get two of those that aren't canceled so you can watch at least two bowl games and then watch three get canceled in real time as entire <laughs> position groups test positive for the omicron variant but you, you got a couple of college games uh, just chill they're not a real holiday but it'll be nice to kick our feet up get ready for nfl sunday and, and the potential end of the lockout thomas carinante welcome to the podcast uh, how are you feeling as 2021 gets put in the books and it becomes official that the Yankees did not get better for a full 365 days? Yeah, it's been great. Uh, I don't know how I feel with the end of the year because, you know, we thought 2019, oh, here comes 2020. It's going to be a better year. Here comes 2021. Going to be a better year. Mm-hmm. Here comes 2022. I don't know. I don't know anymore. Uh, so, you know, just live it day by day. Stop using the year as the benchmark. Use tomorrow as the benchmark. Uh, that way you don't feel discouraged having to wait an entire 12 months to know Maybe something will be different and something will change for the better. Uh, but yeah, Yankees um, still looking, you know, wrote a Red Sox article today about Christian Vasquez. He's playing first base in the uh, Puerto Rican league. Um, and it's just depressing. You go back and you look at the Yankees uh, transactions. Joely Rodriguez only signing. Just can't believe it. Still can't believe it. Um, but with 2022 approaching, the good news here is that you look at the Yankees window 
You don't know what they're going to do, but it's clear they're losing enough people after this next season that their resolutions are going to have to be of the aggressive, positive nature or else what are we doing here? What are we doing? I don't know. We need a World Series. We need a deep playoff run. Doesn't matter if you don't. I mean, just get to the ALCS at the very least. Make, you know, give people a little taste of it uh, after the disappointment over these last few years. But 2022, year of urgency, but Brian Cashman's no stranger to this. So uh, I am cautiously optimistic that the right moves will be made, um, especially when, uh, well, obviously, especially, but when the lockout ends, there will be some sort of uh, form of aggression there. Um, but yeah, overall, just feeling whatever. I'm going to take it day by day, hour by hour, maybe to feel better about it. Um, Cause this ball season two dude sucks. You're, you're saying we're going to get three canceled games on new year's day. Yeah. And the, the one we'll get one. Okay. One out of the five. Mm-hmm. So just not a good experience. Uh, if we can turn into a college football podcast for one moment, should just be a, we can, should just be a 16 team playoff. Uh, get everybody else out of here. We don't, how much money is the Duke's Mayo bowl paying out? Is it that much fun to watch a guy covered in mayonnaise? Um, the only petition I'd have outside of this is keep the cheese at bowl, but make sure um, we have teams with the colors of cheese. It's playing the game. Uh, we could just do the Mayo thing without playing the game. Yeah. Like we don't need the game to do that. You could just dump Mayo <laughs> on any coach that you want. I'm not a, I mean, I'm not a college football guy. I'm definitely a college football lowest on the podium of all the major sports. And I'm not going to lie to you watching the NYCFC MLS finale. Mm. I'm at least weighing, enjoying MLS more than college football. It's, it's nowhere near the upper echelon oh. for me, but I'm like, yeah, I think I had more fun watching that than any college football game I watched this year. It's all Alabama sucked all year, sucked all year. And they're waltzing. They're going to be in the final. Mm-hmm. They're probably going to be the favorite to win the mm-hmm. final. That's where we're at. They were terrible. They snuck past Auburn, which would have been their second loss of the year. They destroyed Georgia. Their first good game of the year was in the SEC championship. And they're going to, yeah, they're going to win the, they're, they're facing a, I believe a division two team in the first <laughs> round of the college football playoff. And then they're going to face the winner of Georgia, Michigan. They already want Georgia. Jim Harbaugh is not beating Alabama. I hate to break it to you, um, I, I'm theoretically a Carolina fan. They're they're playing as we speak. The the live feed is is going off as we speak. They they have no defense to speak of. They're facing a South Carolina. They're, this was a college. This, talk about a college football playoff team. This Carolina team. I don't watch college football because I don't really have a rooting interest. It, this makes no sense. Open up the doors, listen to the pod listeners. I root for Carolina basketball because that's where I grew. I, I grew up rooting for Carolina basketball. Football. I got family in Carolina. I got family in Virginia. I root for UVA. I root for Carolina. I root for them when they're relevant. I don't. I just don't care. So this was supposed to be the first year, maybe ever, where I was like, I, I, I have a Carolina football team that's supposed to go to the playoff. Like, maybe this is the year that locks me into college football. And they lost week one. And so then I was just like, ah, never mind. I'm out. It's our, the dream. Uh, not that I had a dream. <laughs> not that I cared. But just like, I, I was like, maybe this is the year I actually get locked in and I like have a rooting interest in the answer. Nope, not this year because they're 0-1, so it's over. Uh, <laughs> and they are 6-6, six and six, losing to a South Carolina team that doesn't have a quarterback right now. So uh, if that were my fandom, I'd be very depressed. It's, it's only kind of my fandom. Uh, the, Yankees, the Yankees aren't doing anything, and they're still moving up the power rankings of, of New York sports for me. The Rangers came back from a year-long pause yesterday to blow a third-period lead to Florida. Florida's good. That doesn't really affect me that much. The Knicks are 17 and 18. They were actually 18 and 17 last year. We consider last year to be the best Knicks season ever. This year to be the worst <laughs> Knicks season in the history of time. They're only one game worse. Um, although they were down 14 to G League Detroit yesterday. So they're they're not very good. 
but they're they're floating they're treading water the new york giants are not a sports team so i don't know you could possibly care about that um i i actually found myself defending them on sunday against eagles fans the stupidest i felt in my entire life uh there were two dudes behind us yelling that ain't it every time uh jake Fromm or mike glennon missed a pass <laughs> two players and so yeah so jalen hurts like missed a pass on third down and i went that ain't it and i like turned around and gave it to him i was like what am i doing the giants are four and three thousand like who who could possibly care so the yankees are all we really have to talk about and they are locked out they can't make move we've got you know, say what you will about hockey. I love the Rangers. Uh, they haven't won in like 15 days. Not their fault. They got shut down. The whole league got shut down for COVID. But it's been a long time since I can point to something the Rangers did and be like, yes, that's good. The Knicks are the definition of 500. They're the worst team in the NBA with their best player on the court and the best team in the NBA when the bench comes in. That's how you become a 500 team. Yeah. The Giants are horrid. So the lockdown Yankees are all we have right now. We're mostly we've got the future on our hands. Uh, we're almost 10 minutes into this podcast. Should we talk about the team the podcast is about? Maybe, probably. Um, but the, the Yankees are mostly a future proposition right now because, uh, I mean, they're legally mandated to stop making moves. Uh, they ended the season as a 92-win team. You, you can argue that they underperformed, but you can't argue they weren't. An, they ultimately won 92 games. That We have a full season's worth of data. That's what they provided us. And they've gotten worse since then. So if, if until they make moves, if and when they make moves, I'll be more confident in them. But right now, they're a 92-win team that lost some of their most important and impactful players. So I'm not, I'm not keyed in on 2022 until the needle moves. But I am keyed in on Anthony Volpe, who is you know being pushed in front of us by the media for a reason. Uh, the Yankees believe in him. I believe that. I believe in him. What I saw last year was special. Obviously, I didn't attend games uh, I didn't follow him up and down the East Coast. I followed the stat lines. I followed the highlights. Everything I saw indicates he's got all the makings of a five-tool player. The Yankees are putting him front and center this offseason for a reason. They're trying to satiate us while we wait through the lockout. They are trying to show us that what we're waiting for isn't fruitless. And they're trying to show us that there is a silver lining behind not getting Carlos Correa and Trevor Story. I don't think the Yankees will be making the right decision if they do not add one of those two players because you can have too many good players. It's it's actually not a problem. It actually helps if Volpe's not a shortstop and if Story's a center fielder. You, you've actually solved a lot of problems. You might still be looking for a shortstop in two years, even if you keep Volpe and Peraza and sign Roderick Arias and get Trey Sweeney. Like It's no guarantee that one of those four will be the Yankees starting shortstop. It's no guarantee Trevor Story or Carlos Correa will be the Yankees starting shortstop in three years. That's why I think you should get anybody and everybody. But it's clear they're parading him in front of us to say it's a two-pronged it's a little positive and it's a little nefarious. They're trying mm-hmm. to say, uh, here is hope. Here, here's the great hope for the future. He's only he's a kid and he, he's polished and he's doing all the right things. But also they are trying to distract us from the fact that they made no maneuvers in, in you know November and December. Uh, December locked out November. They could have done stuff and they didn't. Subjectively true. But Volpe on David Cohen's podcast this week got all the right endorsements, said all the right things, and made it very clear that he is the kind of competitor who is not preoccupied with what the Yankees do around him with when he gets his chance, uh, whenever that chance may be. I, I know you came away equally impressed with him, even though that was the goal and they yeah. did magic on us and they were trying to impress us, but it, it worked. And I have never been more confident that I would love to sign a shortstop this offseason. If it's Andrelton Simmons, I think you're wasting a year of Garrett Cole and Aaron Judge and John Carl Stanton's prime, mm-hmm. but I have no interest in getting rid of Volpe. I, I want his first step 
and hopefully his step into superstardom to be in pinstripes. I don't I don't think those two things are mutually exclusive. Though. No, uh, I do. I I don't I don't know what the solution is. Uh, I'm also not a baseball executive, so the baseball executive should figure out what the best solution is here. You need to contend in 2022. You want to hold on to the crown jewel prospect. Um what he said, he he was first question he was asked on on the appearance was how do you feel about the debate being should the Yankees go after a high profile shortstop and book out their next five to ten years at that position, or should they go with Anthony Volpe in a couple of years? So um he answered, you know, he passed with flying colors, uh great poise, uh, which you know, good news and bad news. Good news because it's clear that he's going to be able to handle the spotlight and the media at some point. Bad news because it's going to give the front office more ammo to be like, yeah, this is our guy. So uh, we'll see in 2024. Um, as much as I do like how Volpe projects, um, we just don't know. Uh, so it, it's been 143 games for him in the minors. Uh, that 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 includes a uh, debut season back in 2019 uh, when he appeared in 34 games, which was not impressive. And then at that point, people were like, oh, they wasted a first-round pick on this kid, 18 years old, he can't hit, bad 215, this isn't good, what the hell, 2020 off, made you kind of forget about everything because the minor league season was canceled, then comes back roaring this year, um, dominates the low level, single A and high A, um, but it's a little bit more complicated because this isn't a pitcher we're talking about, this isn't Hayden Wesneski who we're talking about, who first full pro season High A, double A, triple A, all in one year. You could do that as a pitcher if you have good enough stuff. When you're a position player, there's too many things to develop. There's too many things to refine. But guess what? Five-tool player, we're looking at Volpe. Hit for power, steals bases, sterling defense, got speed, got, has a great arm. It's everything you want. Um, it's just not there yet. So if the Yankees are talking about wanting to contend and keep the window open, I don't know what they're going to do. Because you're looking at a judge extension, um, and then if you're paying a shortstop, that's that's another that's another Stanton esque deal or Cole esque deal, um, depending on how you view it. I don't know what a Trevor Story contract would look like at this point. Um, you get taken aback by all these deals in free agency. Like, did you expect Marcus Simeon to get 175 million? Not really, um, but you could probably expect Trevor Story to get around there or more because of his body of work in major league baseball. Um, if he has a smart agent. So you're looking at those three contracts on the books in judge Stanton Cole, um, and then new shortstop. Uh, it's going to be tough for Mr. Hal Steinbrenner to get below his luxury tax in three years. Cause then what are you going to do? You're going to put four players on the field and then just yeah. promote, promote a bunch of Greg Allen and Ryan Lamars. Uh, because that's the only option you'd have at that point to get below the threshold. Unless, Unless there's some crazy revisions with this collective bargaining agreement, we don't know what's going to happen, but you're looking at it and it's tough because what I would do is I'd sign one of the shortstops. Maybe I bring uh, Volpe up as a second baseman uh, and see see what can happen there. I don't know. Glaber Torres, unless he has a, a, a renaissance in 2022, does not have a long-term future here based on what we've seen the last <clears throat> two years or no. I guess full year, however you want, however you want to mesh it. Um, but Whatever. I'm impressed with Volpe's play from just this year. I'm not banking on him being the shortstop of the future. I like where we're heading. You have to know prospects are furthest from the sure thing. Um, every single year we see first rounders fall by the wayside. You never hear, you don't hear about them after two years. It's like, it's, this isn't like the NFL where you have a microscope on guys for four or five years and you're tracking their progress. It's not that. Um, I like the way he speaks. I like his poise. 
I like the way he plays and projects. It's cool. Keep him. Trade the other guys. Build around. Figure it out. Just definitely don't bank on this being your solution in two years when you need to win right now. That's all. We've been saying it the whole time, so there's nothing new. No, they never used to. That's the thing. I mean, when Derek Jeter came up and saved the 96 Yankees with spark plug was the rookie of the year. He was the organization's top prospect. It's not like Derek Jeter came out of nowhere. And it's not like, I mean, you and I were kids. So it felt like, oh, whoa, who is this? Why is he suddenly our best player? Why are we in the World Series? But the, the plan was for Derek Jeter to take over shortstop someday. The plan for 1996 was for Tony Fernandez to start at shortstop. They entered spring training with the position occupied. By a veteran, Fernandez got hurt, forced the Yankees' hand. Now, Fernandez isn't the type of long-term commitment that Carlos Correa is, and potentially Trevor Story as well. So there is a difference between signing a shortstop for 10 years to block the position, theoretically, before moving that person to third base. There's a difference between that and bringing in 35-year-olds to continue to hold the fort until Derek Jeter is ready. So I understand the clear difference there, but... The 1996 Yankees had a consensus top 10 prospect in baseball waiting to play shortstop, and they kept saying he's not ready yet, not now, don't think so. And then he forced their hand and eventually made his way onto the roster. And that's what happens, because the best laid plans can fall apart. Your 35-year-old can get hurt in spring training. You might need the kid to fill in in April, and then, oh, look, he's the rookie of the month, and, oh, look, he's hitting 320 at the end of May. I guess he's our starting shortstop now. I know there's a difference between committing many, many years to a shortstop and continuing to kick the can down the line. But the Jeter Yankees had a bunch of contingency plans for Jeter until Jeter forces play onto the roster. The 2022 Yankees have to have the same thing for Anthony Volpe, who we believe in, but isn't quite that Jeter pedigree. Like the, yeah. that Jeter pedigree was, was next level. Volpe has one minor league season under his belt that impressed us. And, and I hope he's the guy and everything he's saying indicates he is a huge part of this team's future but it would be embarrassing for the team not to plan. And Tony Fernandez in 1996 is an upgrade on every other shortstop we're talking about here other than Story and Correa. So if it's Simmons, if it's Iglesias, that is not a contingency plan. If it's Jonathan VR, that is not Tony Fernandez. Tony Fernandez is an all-star. Towards the end of his rope, who they signed to play short, uh, but he's he was far better than any of these other stopgap Yankees options that are supposedly standing in Volpe's way. So if you love Volpe so much, give him an honest chance to win the spring training job against Edgerton Simmons. Honestly, honestly. But don't let him get in the way of a shortstop deal that once again could easily turn into Trevor Story in center field two years from now and could easily turn into Carlos Correa at third base two years from now. Or maybe the Trevor Story contract is only two years long. And Story holds it down this year, and you give Volpe a shot next winter and potentially move Story into the Aaron Hicks spot. I don't know. All I'm saying is if you love him that much, don't clear a path for him. That's a, Nobody ever won a job by getting a path cleared in front of them. All that angry statements in the book just so that we can take this break and promote Knuckleheads. The Knuckleheads podcast from the Players' Tribune brings on some of the best NBA players past and present to have totally unguarded conversations about sports, culture, and basketball nostalgia. The hosts are former NBA players, Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles. And this is their seventh season of doing the podcast together, though, of course, they knew each other long before then. They're lifelong friends and bona fide truth tellers. Listeners, they invite special guests, high profile athletes, musicians, and entertainers to get brutally honest about everything from current events to untold stories from the golden era of sports and culture. 
Named for the on-court celebration they made wildly popular, this unfiltered, hilarious, and surprising podcast is like playing NBA 2K with no fouls. And are you wondering who some of those special guests and high-profile athletes might be? This season, that's included Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum, Sue Bird, and DeMar DeRozan. As much as I might be bothered by Kevin Durant, he's on the only winning New York team at the moment, other than the New York Rangers. Shout out. Love those guys, Nigor Shesterkin. But Kevin Durant, someone you're going to want to listen to when he speaks. Sue Bird, same deal. DeMar DeRozan, the Bulls might win the East. Folks, Knuckleheads, presented by the players to be and hosted by Darius Miles and Quentin Richardson, is the place to be for honest athlete interviews like this. We highly recommend it. Give it a listen. Give it a download. Give it a subscribe. Now, let's talk trade pitches. Um, well, I've come up with a few. I mean, well, what else have we done over the past month other than spin our wheels coming up with trade pitches? Almost nothing. Uh, but you were intrigued by one that I was noodling around with this week that involved the Yankees and Cubs. Uh, I acknowledge that it is now probably very unlikely that the Yankees will get Wilson Contreras in any of these trades whether it be straight up Contreras for prospects, whether he be the third piece in sort of a larger swap. There was about a six-hour period where I thought the Yankees might actually do it when the Cubs signed Jan Gomes, Wilson Contreras tweeted some airplane emojis, and the non-tender deadline was coming up that night. I thought there was a chance they were going to pull off a a trade that day. You'd see Gary Sanchez get non-tendered, and then we'd go into the lockout as soon as they picked up Sanchez's next year. I knew that was never going to happen. So I'm throwing Wilson Contreras into the back end of these trades just to say, hey, think about it. I still like him. We'd all still like him. And, you know, just think it over. Uh, it. But the realistic Cubs option that I see is Ian Happ. And this also intrigued you. Uh, why? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I don't want to steal anybody from you, Cubs fans. I just want to have a conversation. I don't know what your outlook is. I don't understand what you're doing. You signed Marcus Stroman this offseason to a three-year deal. Great. Good for you. You're keeping yes, Kyle yes, Hendricks. Did. Yeah, you're keeping Kyle Hendricks. Pretty great. It's a good, nice one-two punch at the top of the rotation. You got Adbert uh, Azale. Is that how you say his name? I think he's good. Justin Steele showed promise last year. So, look, you got yourself a nice pitching staff, but then you look at the lineup. You got Wilson Contreras, who's undoubtedly gone after next year. You got David Bodie, who's solid. You don't have a first baseman. Patrick Wisdom, I like him. Nico Horner, can't hit for power, but he could be utilized in the middle infield. Jason Hayward is there. You're not getting rid of him. Um, And then you have the outfield situation, which is largely undefined, and Ian Happ is out there. And why is Ian Happ interesting? Ian Happ is interesting because he only has two years left on his deal. He doesn't seem like a guy you'd extend. He's been – I I, I like him as a player. I like him as a complimentary player. He's great for a Mm -hmm. team like the Yankees. You put him in the middle of the lineup, he's going to mash with guys protecting him. Um, he, he has a uh, career 805 OPS and 111 OPS plus. Play center field. Um, didn't he also play second base, or am I lying? Yeah, second and third. Yeah, second and third. And so you got some versatility there. And I'm just not sure if this is a piece the Cubs kind of want to keep beyond whatever. I uh, Once again, I don't know what they're trying to do. This team is clearly not a contender. I don't know what they're going to do after the lockout. I don't, maybe they sign Carlos Correa. Who knows? Maybe they give him the money. I don't, I really don't know what they're going to do, but as currently constructed ton of holes here, Nick, Oh, they got Nick Madrigal too, who they, uh, from the Kimbrel trade, which is nice. Um, and they mm-hmm. started, uh, I, I think they're starting to rebuild this bullpen a little bit. Nonetheless, moral of the story here is that there is no clear answer for next season. 
And even if they do sign a couple of guys in free agency, they're not a contender with the Brewers and the Cardinals at their peak powers at the moment. Um, so why would you not trade two years of Ian Happ if maybe – does he want to talk an extension with them after all that they've done to the core players that he saw come and go? This this Like, I don't know. I don't know what the man is feeling. I don't they know got Clint Frazier. Yeah, yeah, they got Clint Frazier. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Clint, hey. Um, he wasn't on the depth, MLB depth chart for whatever reason when I was looking before. Completely forgot. I think we know why. I think we know why. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm just wondering because, like, hey, look, if the Cubs are realistically looking at 2023 when they have a year of Stroman under their belt, they got a year of Madrigal getting kind of situated. They figured out whatever free, free agent acquisitions they got um, this post-lockout, get them acclimated and whatever. Why would you not trade Ian Happ to its center field needy team like the Yankees who might be willing to give you like MLB ready prospects, like either this year or next year, you want to talk about making an impact in 2023 and expediting this retool or rebuild or whatever you're trying to do. The Yankees, I, everyone's going to come on here. But, oh, you think the Yankees have every, you could just trade for anybody. You know, the Yankees have a deep farm system. It's like been talked to Keith law talks about it. Jeff Passan, when the Yankees traded for Joey Gallo, the first thing he said was, organizational depth is what allowed this trade to happen because they traded a bunch of, you consider middling prospects, but guess what? They were all valued in some capacity and the Yankees had to get rid of them. Assuming there was going to be a rule five draft. There wasn't. So technically the Yankees didn't have to make that trade, nor did they have to, uh, nor did they have to non-tender the players that they did to make the necessary roster move to save these other guys. Great job, MLB. We love you. You don't suck. Um, So you look at this whole thing and I don't know what the Cubs and Yankees have traded in the past and that role, the Chapman deal, whether whatever you think about it, it benefited everybody. The Yankees got two very good years out of Glaber Torres Cubs won a world series because of role, the Chapman. I know he wasn't the main driving force, but he helped them get there. He had plenty of moments throughout that postseason outside of the world blew, series, blew the world series, blew the, but, blew the world series but a couple of other great games that got them there. Uh, tremendous NLCS that year. So um, I don't know why you don't look to take advantage here. The Yankees have plenty of MLB ready prospects, prospects, coming coming on the cusp especially pitchers um and uh they even have a couple of catchers in there that could interest the cubs should um they move on from wilson Contreras. so i'm not looking to steal ian happ guys i'm not looking to trade miguel and duhar for ian happ the yankees have a clear need in center field they have a clear need for another bat that can that can do damage down in the lineup I see this as a nice fit and a, and a good deal for both sides, because if you're a realistic Cubs fan, you're just not looking at this roster and you're not saying, oh yeah, 2022, we're going to make some serious noise or, oh, Ian Happ. Yeah. Franchise cornerstone. I know he, he, bat, his batting average has, he, he's been largely inconsistent. Um, so I, I, once again, I don't know how the Cubs view him or how they project him in their future lineups. I think it's worth a conversation. I think that both sides would be happy with whatever outcome is agreed upon here because if you're the Cubs, Cubs are always looking to up their farm system. And if they're trying to, if they're trying to get this next generation of players ready to take over the NL central, very good opportunity is to steal some talent from the Yankees, which once again, you look at Yankees one through 20 prospects, dude, we're talking about Hayden Wesnewski. A lot of people don't know who he is. First full season, all the way at triple a, he could be in the MLB. He could be in the MLB next year. So all I'm saying is give it a, give it a thought, give it a chat. 
Yeah, I don't know what it's going to take for Hap. I, I don't. I just can't be convinced it's going to take that much. He's already got a John Boy podcast. He's already got one foot out the door of Chicago, trying to come to New York. Uh, he <laughs> had his worst. He had his worst full season in Major League Baseball last year. He hit twenty five homers. Yeah, like he's a switch hitter. He's built for. He's built for filling multiple positions. He he's exactly what you. Uh, you know, it wouldn't be a stretch to shove him in center field. It wouldn't be a stretch to shove him anywhere. He'd be playing. 110 to 125 games for the 2022 New York Yankees. He'd be bringing power to the Bronx. He'd hit 20 homers. He'd be another guy for you to save. He's a chemistry guy on the bench. He's glue all over the field. And it's a realistic target. We, we keep talking about trying to improve the bench. Here's your big improvement. Because the guys on the free agent market are like Kevin Pillar, VR. That's Kyle Seeger gone. Sorry, not going to happen. He chose retirement. There are not a lot of middle-tier power versatile bats on the free agent market still hap is among the best solutions um and i've got glaber torres being traded to the arizona diamondbacks for Cattell Marte, so i have a second base hole that okay. needs to be filled by dj lemayhew and ian hap uh quite frank quite frankly with Stephen a smith so uh in my world it makes even more sense to get hap but in the real world playing left field move gallo to center put gallo in left him in center hicks on the bench hicks starts he plays second uh, he's he's all over the place. He gives Judge a day off and right. That's the point of Ian Happen. He hits 20 to 25 bombs. He is not just someone you paper over a hole with. He's not Jason Nix. He's a legitimate 20, 25 homer power hitter who just had his worst full year and it was a, a just above average, a 102 OPS plus. And that's his worst season. So it's worth thinking about. That's all I'm saying. Um, so let's get to a New Year's resolution apiece. Before we sign off, this is tough. I'm trying to keep it to one apiece. There's a lot of very tempting things out there. Every Yankees decision you make has repercussions. And if that, then this, if this, it blocks you from doing X, Y, Z. I completely understand. It feels irresponsible to not put a shortstop at the top of my list, but that's how resigned I am to the fact that they're going to go with the stopgap. And that's, uh, you know, I'm, I would accept Carlos Correa on my team. I'd take him. You're going to pay him. I'll take him. Thank mm-hmm. you for Carlos Correa. But I do not feel comfortable getting up on a pedestal and saying the number one thing I need is for the Yankees to sign Carlos Correa. I'm also not quite as passionate about Trevor's story as I was about Corey Seager. To be honest, I thought Corey Seager was the one. He was not. He went somewhere else. I think getting Trevor's story to be your starting shortstop for 2022 is priority two. And priority number one for me is pulling off this Matt Olson and pitching trade that we've heard about for so long. My priority number one for the Yankees is surrendering assets for Matt Olson and either Frankie or Sean Manaya or Chris Bassett because they need that number two who's a change of pace. Bassett's my guy. Olson, I don't think people realize how much of a difference maker he is at first base. The Yankees need to start selling high on some of these prospects that they can get away with getting rid of. That's Peraza, that's Luis Medina, and that's another guy at the end of the top 10, whether it's Waldachuk, whether it's Austin Wells. Uh, The Yankees need to finally realize and wake up. Uh, The number one thing they need to do, honestly, the all-encompassing New Year's resolution, is to wake up and realize that 2022 is not already a lost year. Just because they didn't do anything in November does not mean the season is over, does not mean it's not worth fighting for. An 88-win team won the World Series last year. There's no clear front runner. The Braves had the Braves were the Yankees last year. 
They were a great roster. They were a preseason favorite. They got hit by the injury bug. They were terrible in the first half. They made eight strategic trades, it felt like, at the deadline. They revamped their chances. They had four clear upgrades in August they didn't have in July, and they moved to the top of the pile, and they won the National League and the World Series with very little pitching. If the Yankees were to get a full season out of Luis Severino, big ask, but a big if, but possible, and Garrett Cole, and add Chris Bassett, and you have a top three with Jordan Montgomery and Jameson Tyone coming back, and Luis Heal, that's a real top six. And Nestor Cortez, that's a real top seven. You can win the World Series with that rotation. And I don't think I'm stepping out of my boundaries, but they need to add somebody to the Matt Olsen trade to make that palatable. Because right now, you can make the argument to me, and I would listen, that Rizzo and Story is preferable to trading a bunch of assets for Matt Olson. And I, I think I would honestly agree with that. But the two years of Matt Olson plus the additional starter and using some excess prospect capital to do it without jeopardizing Volpe's future, uh, that is priority one for me, quite frankly. I, th- I think that that remakes... Uh, I think we're underestimating the addition of Matt Olson and just how impactful that would be. And I think we're underestimating the chance to get basically a Cy Young, top 10 Cy Young finisher for borderline for free. Uh, and I think we're going to look back at whoever pulls off that deal with the A's at the end of the year and say, that might have won somebody the World Series or swung a pennant, and I think that should be us. I agree. Uh, I'm going to kind of take it a step back because in order for the Yankees to do something like that, I think their New Year's resolution should be rediscovering their identity. Who are the New York Yankees? What are the New York Yankees? Four division titles in the last 15 years. Does that sound like the New York Yankees to you? One World Series in the last 12, uh, 12 years. Does that sound like the New York Yankees to you? Um, it, the, the, their best season since oh, 2009 was when they were underdogs in 2017 and made an improbable run that nobody was expecting. That's not what the Yankees do. The Yankees win 100 games. They blitz through the playoffs. They get they get, they, they get deep into the ALCS or they reach the World Series. I'm not saying do it every year, but... The inconsistencies over this last decade have this organization lost, both philosophically um, and just direction-wise. And look, I'm not going to criticize anything because I want to go into this new year feeling good, but like we can even go back to 2017 when Giancarlo Stanton was acquired. Like, yeah, right now, yeah, we like the move. Stanton kind of carried us, but like what was that move? The Yankees didn't need Giancarlo Stanton. The Yankees needed pitching. Yankees opted to just ignore pitching until Garrett Cole became available after 2019. I understand they 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 made other moves that didn't pan out. Sonny Gray move didn't pan out. Lance Lynn move didn't pan out. But that's another symptom of the problem. It's Brian Cashman catering these trade packages to make it tailor-made so he doesn't look like he's making a giant mistake or is just minimizing the 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 potential loss here. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. This team is supposed to be a perennial contender. We're supposed to be feared. We are not really either one of those things right now. And it's worse to not, it's worse to just be one or the other. I mean, it's better to just be one or the other, be a contender or just be dog shit. Because then if you're dog shit, you could, you have more, you have more leeway to make moves. You get better draft picks. I'm not saying I don't encourage that. I'm just saying it's better to be, (laughs) it's better to be dog shit than to just be middling and kind of be an embarrassment where like, Red Sox are punking you. Blue Jays now starting to punk you. Rays have done the Rays have been the antithesis of you and you haven't been able to figure it out in 5 years. So just just baseline, I, I need the front office, I need the players, 
I need the coaches. I need everybody. Just figure out an identity. Do you want to be badasses? Do you want to be the strong silent type? You got to be something. You can't be this team that's like partially contending at the trade deadline, wondering what you might do to take the next step. You can't be a team hopping into an offseason with this loaded of a roster, yet with this many holes, and then be like, oh, not sure if we're going to spend those, so we'll see what happens. Can't be in this limbo. Enough of this limbo. Figure it out. Just figure it out. It's not hard. We all figure out our lives on a daily basis as best we can. Nobody here is perfect, but guess what? $5 billion organization, endless resources to figure it out. Been way too long. Been way too long for this directionless type nomad life to be occurring when you were the apex of the baseball world 15, 20 years ago. Um, So yeah, just, just find the identity, be aggressive with trading prospects, be aggressive with offering people money, be aggressive with just getting better and then figuring out how to reconfigure everything later. It shouldn't be that hard. The Yankees kind of make it a little bit more harder than they, than they should, because like we've said a million times, like other fans have said, it's not just us think they're maybe the smartest people in the room. Every puzzle piece needs to fit exactly perfectly the way they want it. It can't be like this. There's got to be fluidity. There's got to be open-mindedness. There's got to be a blend of the analytics. There's got to be a blend of the personality. I don't even know which, I mean, I don't even know. I don't know what we are. And I'd like for them to figure that out in three months. That'd be great. Yeah. Whatever happened to Gary Cooper? Uh, I, I think, yeah, you're right. I, I want to be shocked again. I, I just want, I, I honestly, I mean this, maybe my expectations are low. I was outright shocked when they traded for Anthony Rizzo. Uh, that's the, yeah, the probably like the only that. time all year I was stunned. I thought it was a brilliant move. A great piece of patchwork. If he comes back, great. If he doesn't, job still done as far as I'm concerned. Uh, the, the fact that the Red Sox were leading the way for Rizzo all along, and it kind of felt like a perfect fit there, and then all of a sudden at the – I've never been so surprised to see a name in a verified Jeff Passan tweet. I, I think yeah. I mean that because when Garrett Cole signed, I couldn't believe it was real, but I wasn't shocked to see that Garrett Cole had chosen the Yankees over the Angels. I was amazed. I was kind of impressed the Yankees got the job done but I wasn't stunned. No. Rizzo, I was outright stunned. I did. I hadn't even considered that as an option. Since we we wrote a column refuting that a Rizzo-Gary Sanchez trade, somebody pitched a Rizzo-Gary Sanchez trade in like April. And when that happened, we wrote a column being like, no chance. And since that moment, I had not thought about Rizzo to the Yankees. I was completely stunned. I just want to be surprised again. So obviously a Matt Olson trade would not stun me. Uh, something that changes the identity certainly would. I, I would love to see the Yankees make a maneuver like that. Or at least, like you said, decide who they're going to be for 2022 and beyond. Is it the team that pushes prospects out to the front of the stage and says, get used to this guy because we're going to be building from within and don't, you're not going to hear from us too much in 2022 and 2023, or is it going to be some sort of hybrid where Anthony Volpe is here? Peraza is here. Jason Dominguez, the Martian is here and we're hearing about them because we're looking them up, but not because there's nothing else to be excited about at the major league level. That's the kind of team that I want to be. The 2004 to 2007 Red Sox with something constantly churning below and a championship contender at the top. We thought we were going to be able to be that by now. We thought the window was going to be open. We're going to be able to thicken out the minor league system. So far, so not good. The major league team has not lived up to expectations, but we still have a chance. Let's make that our identity moving forward, dominating all across the board and having a stick Michael-like minor league system to prop up a big league team that is among the most trusted winners in the game. That sounds like a great 2022 to me until next time.
That's the end of the podcast. It's the end of the year. We're moving on to 2022. We are changing lives for the better. Hopefully we are unlocking the lockout. Would really love to see some movement because what seemed laughable in December, ha ha, the baseball teams are all locked out. Ha ha ha. But they'll be back by the time the season starts. Uh, only a month and a half for spring training supposed to start now. So time to have some conversations, time to get some business done. Time to do some dealings. The, the week between Christmas and New Year's is about to end. It's time for all of us to do stuff, including Major League Baseball, the owners and the Players Association. Until next time, I'm Adam Weiner. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Live 2 o'clock Eastern, Monday and Thursday on YouTube, Thomas Carinante. Where can the people find you when it's not Monday and Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern on YouTube? Oh, yeah. At Tommy's underscore takes, baby. Like I said, open book. Any questions you want to ask, I'm here. Head on over to yanksgoyard.com. Plenty of content there for you, as usual. Kind of sick of saying it. Just go there and look at it. It's a good time. Uh, trying to brainstorm fun ideas for the offseason while uh, baseball deprives us of what we deserve. We just deserve news and things happening. Uh, also, talk to us on the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at YanksGoYardFS. We're there as well. And until next time, everybody, have a happy new year. We'll see you in 2022. See ya then. Goodbye, everybody. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.